evening! Welcome to the Final Fantasy Wiki podcast. This is the official podcast of Final Fantasy Wikiing. If you've ever wanted to do a wiki about Final Fantasy and then write a podcast about it, this is what happens. We do it here. Um, we sometimes have a uh, sponsor, but I did not think of one before this episode, so we're not going to have a sponsor. Um, sorry about that. Uh, I am Blue Highland, your host. And joining me tonight is some color mage. Hi. Hey. Uh, I have been up since like 2 a.m. because of time zones. Yeah, that's bad. I woke up at 4 a.m. this morning and then went back to sleep. Ooh. I had a dream about I was Malcolm X in a fire. That was kind of weird. Interesting. Yeah, yeah. Um... Anyway, so uh, the Final Fantasy Wiki, what do we do here, Some Color Mage? Um, let's see, there's this website, and there's a button that you can click to add stuff to it. Uh-huh. And, uh, you know, generally, generally, you know, what you're supposed to add is Final Fantasy stuff. And then, and but what actually happens is that someone adds some complete bullshit and I have to come... Uh, around an hour later, realize it's complete bullshit and undo it. Okay. So this is the most important thing about wikiing. Um, some call our mage is Aerith or Tifa clouds one true parent. Hmm. I see a I politician mean, answer choose, coming. If I have to choose between those two Tifa, but I'm pretty sure they both deserve each other more. Okay. There you go. Politician answer. I knew it was coming. I knew the dirty centrism would pour in. So, uh, it is uh, July of 2023. A year that when I started editing wikis, I never would have believed is real. Did you know that that was, um, I think about 17, 16 years ago? No? Yeah, that sounds about right. Yeah. Somebody on the Discord was like, I've been doing this for half my entire life and i thought about it i'm like oh yeah that's that's pretty much true for me too i think i started when i was 17 and i am 32 now yeah true for true for most of us yeah eventually it'll be the majority of my life will be in some way involved in the final fantasy wiki not that i actually edit um by the way, I last I checked, all the Final Fantasy 16 pages are like woefully underwritten. So if you're listening and you want to write some Final Fantasy 16 stuff, uh, we have red links which can be filled. Please. I get. I think it's coming along at an all right pace, but uh, and there's definitely a lot of activity around stuff that uh, has active time law at least. Oh, is that it? They're just, like, rewriting the active time lore? Like, they're copy-pasting it? Yeah, I think uh, Kelt is... Kelt's been uh, transcribing it for the site. Okay. I do not think the active time lore is a worthy replacement of the Final Fantasy Wiki. I know they tried to go in, put it on the game itself, and there's some interesting things in there, but... Uh, our wiki is just better and more easy to navigate. Though, the way it's designed, you do end up in, like, a wiki hole. 
and it's very hard to move around it. <laughs> it's funny because like you just keep clicking links, and then it's like I completely lost whatever place I was in originally. So they have simulated that. I'll give Yoshi P that bit of credit. But there's also no walkthroughs in the active time war. And maybe that's for the best, right? Um, I mean, walkthroughs for 16, at least in the way that Wiki writes, they're going to be a bit tricky anyway, because like, the actual combat on your side is so freeform that you can do pretty much anything, so we'd just be describing how to dodge shit. The Here's the real nub of it. Every single fight in Final Fantasy 16 has the same solution, which is hit R1 and then attack. Unfortunately, R1 solves every single problem in that game. So I don't even know how I would walk, write a walkthrough, because I, I've never really found any sort of stress or tension in any fight. Because you just hit R1 for every single thing. The... Uh... The hardest time I had with anything in the game. Well, there was one thing where I tried to do a hunt where I was like 20 levels under leveled. And the other thing is uh, the time trial for Odin. Oh, I didn't do any of the time trials. That might be my mistake. I kind of mainlined the game. I put, uh, I had 38 hours by the time I was done. I think the time trials are pretty good because, uh, I mean, do you know how they work or? I never found one. Um, okay, so like, uh, uh, so like the time trials, it's like four rounds. You start with, I think it's like 80 seconds. And each round, uh, your abilities are fixed. So you have, uh, so you have two of the given icons for abilities uh, at any one time and which one it is dictated by which round you're in. And also a list of a list of specials that you can pull off with these moves that restore time to the clock. Okay. So I, you... This is like the Bayonetta so, challenge rooms, then. Yeah, so it becomes a challenge of using these moves correctly so that you can get enough time until the final round where there's, like, no bonuses. You just have the time, the time that's left on the clock to destroy a boss. This should be in the main game. This should be something you have to do. Because I was thinking, there's at no point during this game that you ever have to use any particular move. So you could use your starting game, like, whatever build you came up with when you finally have three icons. You never need to vary from that. Like, some of them do more damage, and some of them are, like, more effective at getting the break meter, the stacker meter going. Mm. But effectively, you can pick whichever one you want and just stick there. It's not like the game ever particularly demands that you're going to need, oh, uh, now this fight you're going to need Titan's Block. You never need Titan's Block. So if they yeah, had like do... forced you to use Titan for a section, that would have been better. Yeah, I do wish they did more with this. And like, I mean, since we've pretty much gone straight into 16 opinions yeah, at this I didn't, point, that's, I didn't basically plan that. my, that's basically my criticism for anything I could criticize. They could do more with this, except for the side quests. They should do less with that. Yeah. 14-style side quests don't work in a game where you can't fly over everything. The side quests and the 
NPCs in the side quests are clearly made without love. And it, it just, it grinds the game to a halt because it just feels like this is not what they ever wanted you to do. And they almost made it like begrudgingly. Like it feels spiteful that this stuff's here. Like, oh, all right, you're making me do side quests, huh? It's like you send a 16-year-old to clean the bathroom and they do like the crappiest job you've ever seen. It's like that. That's how, that's the sense I get from the side quest. Hmm. I should... And, like, there are a couple really good side quests in there, but also most of those are backloaded, and I know from you talking in the Discord that you just gave up and, uh, yeah. and skipped that last round of side quests. I should take some control over this conversation, considering we went, like, full chaos mode and went right into 16. Hmm. Um, if you're listening and you're wondering what the hell's going on, uh, normally we do news first and then we do, uh, well, the plan was we were going to do news and then we're going to do 16 thoughts and then, um, possibly another person will join us and we'll do Final Fantasy 14's big reveal. So why don't we reorganize things? We'll put 16 <laughs> away for news, a second. Okay. <laughs> we'll go right to news. We'll do it quickly though. All right. I think we can get through news in like 10 minutes because there isn't that much this, uh, this month. All right. So, what do you think of my new news reel sound? Very nice. Very nice. Okay. All right. So, first bit of news. This came out on July sixth. Yuji Naka has been. Uh, will have. All right. Yuji Naka was charged and convicted of uh, embezzlement and insider trading. If you recall, Yuji Naka created a game called Sonic the Hedgehog. Which, interestingly, was a big inspiration on Final Fantasy XVI. And um, he uh, was... Uh, what was the story exactly? He found out that they were going to make Final Fantasy VII the first soldier. And he knew what company yeah, he, was involved. Yeah, because uh, he, uh, uh, he had moved to working to Square Enix so he could do uh, Balan... Wonderland. Whatever the fuck. Balan Wonderland. The very weird hat I game. I think it's Balan Wonderworld, and Balan Wonderland is what everyone tries to say because it sounds like a much better name. Oh, it is Balan <laughs> Wonderworld. I thought it was Balan Wonderland because I thought Wonder World. Everyone does. No, I thought Wonder World would be better because it's like alliterative, and Wonderland is even more awkward than Wonderworld. I did um, not play that game, but it it was it was quite a thing to watch cutscenes of. But yeah, this uh, this was uh, you know, uh, Square Enix's seemingly contractually ob obligated, completely terrible game of the year it came out in, yeah. uh, and uh, you know, basically destroyed any chance of Yuji Naka making another game on console. So, like he he quit, had a complete complete shit fit with with all of his coworkers. Um, uh, there's this like one time where like uh, on an anniversary of uh, of uh, of Sonic the Hedgehog or something he uh, he tweeted out a, a pic of the old stuff but because one of the other leads was a guy who worked with him on Battle Wonderworld he'd uh, he'd scribbled out that guy in black so like, he like he like Stalin and removed two people from the picture <laughs> yeah he okay. he. He hates everyone else who worked on that game so much. Um, well, I mean, uh, I, 
from what I saw from the cutscenes, it did seem like a game made out of pure hatred. Yeah. And then he proceeded to get arrested several times because it turned out that he uh, that he kept buying stock in uh, companies uh, that work on mobile games just before Square was announcing that uh, that that company is going to be making a mobile game with one of their big properties. Yeah, so uh, that case has settled. He was uh, convicted and would serve 2.5 years in prison, but due to some thing in the legal system, and this happens in America too, he will not actually serve any of that. He's going to have four years of probation instead and has a $1.2 million fine. I believe that's American dollars what he has to pay, not yen, which would only be like $10,000 or something. The yen, by the way, is much right. weaker than the dollar. I, I found this out recently. Hmm. Uh, that, that'll be very useful to me because I might be going to Tokyo soon. Fun fact. Oh, nice. Yeah. My, uh, my layover on my way to Australia keeps getting longer and longer. So originally I thought I was oh. just going to be hanging at the airport for a few hours. And now it might be about like 17 hours. Oh, no. <laughs> so, no, that's good. I, I can have like a whole day in Tokyo. I mean, yes, it's simultaneously great, and also, what the hell are the plane companies doing? Well, I mean, I bought these tickets like six months ahead of time, so the the times are bound to change. At least they're not changing like the day of. Um, anyway, next thing, um, there was a report on the Final Fantasy series. I think you've played a few of these. Uh, they have sold 180 million copies of everything. So since 1986, when Final Fantasy One came out, to now, rounding up, they have sold 180 million video games, hmm. which is a lot. Yeah, I mean that's. I'm pretty sure that's fairly good for thirty five year old series. Yeah, uh, for context, uh, last year this similar report came out. Uh, I think it's because it's like some stock thing Square Enix has to announce these things. Uh, last yeah. year it was uh, 173 million, so they've sold seven million copies, three million of which are Final Fantasy 16. The other four at are, least, yeah, the at least f- three million. I so I guess it's probably about half and half. Yeah, the other four would be you know the various Crisis Core remake and uh, the Theater Rhythm game that came out in the winter that I already forgot about. Yeah, also, um, I guess the console ports the Pixel Remasters. Yeah, the Steam port of Stranger of Paradise. Uh, yeah. Yeah, so lots of other things. Um, there were some tweets about, like, the Pixel Master 35th anniversary celebration, and Sakaguchi retweeted it, and his comment was, like... Somebody was asking him, how did you make this game? How did you make six in these many years? And his response was, I was drunk. (laughs) Sakaguchi has reached his uh, beach bum phase where he can just say whatever the hell he feels like it, because who cares? Yeah, what does he have to care? He gets to hang out in Hawaii. (laughs) Yeah. He'll be there. Um, He could go and live Yakuza 9 for real. Or like a dragon nine. What what's that one called? Is that one actually nine? Uh, or... the, uh, it's eight. Uh, it's like it'd be like a dragon. I 
I think it's actually just like a Dragon 8 in Japanese. They, they only gave it a subtitle in English this time. Okay. Oh, it is like a Dragon 8. That's the one that's upcoming, right? Oh, wait. No, yeah, no, 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 no. That, that was the term-based one. Or was it? Oh, my God. I'm so bad yeah. at this. I, okay. So, so the series was originally translated in the West as Yakuza. Yes. But, uh, like... So after a while, um, you know, uh, the Sega almost gave up on the series in the West. Uh, when they came back, the new translator, the new translation team, kind of hated all the name changes that the original translators done and had been working on, on pushing back on that. And uh-huh. then, like, uh, yeah, because yeah, Six was like the end of the original protagonist's uh, character arc. So the next main game had a new protagonist and uh, they and they convinced like Sega to call it in the West Yakuza like a dragon. Yeah, they and did the then, uh, Resident Evil Bioshock or Biohazard. Uh, yeah, and after that the series is now like a dragon in all regions. Okay, so like a dragon eight is the one where Ichiban is naked in Honolulu. Yeah, it's like a dragon eight in Japanese, and I think it was like a dragon infinite wealth in the West. Okay, is that because eight in like Chinese is also considered money? I guess I don't know. Okay, um, I think like the Chinese character or the way they say it sounds like coins dropping. So like eight in a lot of Chinese things are considered money. Yes, the number eight is considered the luckiest number in China because eight is associated with wealth. All right, so where were we? We wandered even further off the topic, didn't we? Uh, Next yeah, bit of we news. were on yeah. the news. And yes. So you're talking about you know, Sakaguchi. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. Okay, so... Um, and being drunk. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So the next, maybe like the biggest bit of news that's not related to either 16 or 14 is that the uh, Final Fantasy X Kabuki showing, which came out in spring, and I think it's already wrapped if you live in Japan, uh, they're calling this the new... Like, the official tweet calls it this, New Kabuki Final Fantasy X. Uh, That is going to be streamed, which means you can go and rent it online. It is uh, 5,100 yen, which translates to about, like, 30 US dollars. And it is over 300 minutes between part one and part two. So it is very, very long. Uh, I would love to watch this. The problem is that 300 minutes is a lot of minutes. It's uh, about six yeah, hours. That's, um... Yeah, you're really putting a whole day into that. You are, yeah. Um, I could potentially watch this during one of my very long flights coming up, maybe. I don't know if you can download uh, it or you just have to be streaming it. So you might need internet the whole time. Yeah, I think, in fact, I'm not sure if it's uh, even still available that late. No, I, I think it is available all the way to October. Let me check the tweet. Oh, uh, okay. Yeah, it is available in 19 countries and regions until October 31st. So, uh, you okay. Okay. Could... And your spooky times with six hours of Final Fantasy X as performed by Kabuki actors. Sounds interesting. Maybe that'll be a podcast episode. Maybe I'll force you all to watch that. What do you say? It's 
just just September episode, just half of us talking about what the hell happened on that uh, vacation. Yeah, it will be, but the October episode, all of you have to watch Kabuki for six hours. <laughs> Whoever joins me in that one. I mean, I, I couldn't get any of you to watch Mobius Final Fantasy, so I don't know if I'll be able to do it for Kabuki. That said, I mean, have you ever seen a Kabuki show? Uh, no. Yeah, exactly. I, I have no idea what I'm getting into. That's the other thing. Like, I maybe... It, it may not translate, is my other worry. It, it could be, you know... It's a very ancient art form. It's a very foreign art form. I I don't know if I'd be able to appreciate it, is my worry. And I think that's all the news, unless you have anything. Uh, I don't think so. No? I think we're going to cover the 14 stuff later, so... I mean, do we have to? Oh, it's not that bad. Okay. Is it only the most popular Final Fantasy thing of all time? Maybe. Is it only the most profitable Final Fantasy thing of all time that makes basically everything else that Square Enix does possible? <laughs> Pretty much. Yeah, so by that argument, I should love Final Fantasy XIV and only be excited to talk more about it. So, um, why don't we add two to Final Fantasy XIV and talk about Final Fantasy XVI, A Realm Reborn? I mean, no. It doesn't have a subtitle. Just Final Fantasy XVI. Mm -hmm. So, Some Color Mage, I think I asked this on the last podcast, but where would you rank Final Fantasy XVI now that you've ended the game? Where do you think it hangs in the grand series of numbers? Um, I mean, it's still fairly high-ranking, like top half. It's it's not one of the all-time great. It is, it is, you know, clearly something that smacks of the first attempt. That's a, that's a little awkward, but you know they're clearly trying. But at the same time, it just doesn't really do enough to to stand out. I like. I think the base of the combat is good, but they don't. Uh, but it's but they could do more of it i think the plot is good they could do more with it especially in some aspects uh involving pretty much any character that's not clive um there's lots of good characters that aren't like, clive they're just there are no good female characters that aren't clive hmm. yeah like it's a bit weird to it's a bit weird to place like i think at some point you floated the idea of uh, you know doing an update to that old uh, tier list uh, episode and like you know i forget what the old tier list looked like but i'd argue like putting 16 in a because it's a legitimately good game but it's not astounding mm -hmm. i'm gonna give you my rankings of final fantasy games up to 16 Okay. Mm -hmm. Alright, number one is Final Fantasy 9. 2, 12, 3, 7, 4, Tactics, 5, 6, 
and then six. I know it's it's confusing to put it that way. Six is a controversial pick. Uh, Bravely Default, which is a Final <laughs> Fantasy game. Uh, seven, ten, eight, seven remake. Nine, eight, ten, type zero. Eleven, Final Fantasy sixteen. I made this ranking this morning. Thinking about it, I decided it was the 11th best Final Fantasy game of all time. Um, and possibly would rank below World of Final Fantasy if I had ever finished that game, and I feel bad I never did. Uh, I have tried several times in Kanto, so... Um, there, are, there are very slow parts in that game. Yeah. Though there's also very slow parts in Final Fantasy 16, so... I think I could get through World of Final Fantasy if I replayed it on my Steam Deck. That's a game that would work great handheld. And Final Fantasy 16 is a game that you have to sit in front of the biggest screen possible and enjoy. Like, you, you have to have the Oppenheimer experience. you got to see it in 70mm IMAX. Oops. Drop my pen. Yeah, Sorry. I'm definitely glad that I've got a... I have a 4K TV. <laughs> I bought a 4K TV three years ago, and I never use it. It's in my room. I, I don't watch TV in my room, so what's the point of this thing? Um, so, we talked already last month about like our general feelings. Has Now that you've finished it, has your feelings gone up or down? Um... I mean, since overall I'm still generally positive of, of it, it's definitely not gone down. Uh, but, like... It is sometimes a difficult game to talk about, because, like, I do like like it, but, you know, every time I'm trying to talk about something, you know, I'm about to criticize it, because I don't think there's anything this game did perfectly. Um... Yeah, why don't we let let's say let's kill the game with kindness. What is like your favorite part about it? Um. Okay. I really like Clive as a character. Like, you know, there's the once he manages to get over the worst of his personal problems, you just get more and more more of him and he he's he's just a really nice likable guy who you know despite the situation he's in is trying to do the best for for everyone he he comes across unless they're a complete dick to him and then you get past the second time skip and you unlock hunts and he says some of the most dorkish shit at the beginning and end of those fights Oh, you mean the uh, the Republican Tiger, the Republican Curl, or whatever that was? Well, yeah, that was one of the bosses, but like, I'm thinking that, you know, your very introduction to hunts, aside from being a bad introduction, because that's one of the hardest, hardest notorious fights in the game. Wait, is, um, it's where, did, where did you introduce hunts? Because I ran into hunts when I def The Aramid? Oh, I didn't find that boss hard at all. It, it, he, has, he has an instant kill. Oh, you know why? Because you warned me. 
I, I only ran into that after we did the podcast, so I knew that uh, that Doom attack. I'm like, oh, do not stand for that at all. Do not have anything to do with that. Yeah. And then he ends that fucking fight with, well, he didn't see that coming, and Jesus Christ, dude. You know, sometimes Clive's, like, Sora-like simplicity is very endearing. Like, at the very end of the game, uh, the final boss, who is this fucking broken record, endlessly mythos 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 you will join with me it's boring boring has nothing to say and then clive at one point just yells at him do you ever shut up yeah and that that final boss fight was incredibly fun it was yes yeah it was the one time i had to use all my potions because i got very sloppy at that point during the game yeah and, like, I think the ending of that is also, like, the culmination of when he just sometimes hops, pops off some of the dorkiest one-liners because, the, because you know, despite the fact that, you know, the only fantasy here is yours and that we shall be its final witness <laughs> yeah. is a really dumb line. Yeah. It is also completely awesome when paired with punching him in the face so hard it does a million damage. He punches him, and then it does, like, this, the Raging Bull or Rocky slow-mo, where you see the face morph. Yeah, it's like, yeah, I'm pretty sure it's, like, shot-for-shot, it's a shot-for-shot remake from something from the end of Azura's Wrath. Oh, that too, yeah, this is this is a very Azura's Wrath game, which I need to play that now. Because uh, that that's probably my favorite thing in this game. I think my favorite single thing is the titan fight where you turn into sonic the hedgehog briefly and run along his tendrils that become mountains and i should also mention that clive at this point is a freak who is already kaiju sized so titan is kaiju to a kaiju and you're running like sonic the hedgehog and it's amazing or Uh, yeah i i love all those icon fights and the the garuda one is a bit simple but you know it was still amazing and fit the mood perfectly. Then there's that Typhon fight that that uh, was just aesthetically really cool. That was the only and time I ever lost. Titan. The Typhon yeah. is the only one that ever beat me because I did not know how to get through the walls. I figured I had to run at him, and that that like erased my HP. Yeah, and then you get Titan, and that's amazing in every every aspect and then you get to bahamut who is also awesome and and, the one thing uh, odin was kind of a downer it just didn't have the ridiculous shonen energy uh, odin odin isn't a step up compared to bahamut but it's it's still a fun fight uh especially the bits where like he's transformed and uh, like he's primed and you haven't so so, you know, he's just fucking giant towering over the edge of the arena and you've got to dodge all his, his stuff. Oh, yeah, that's when you use uh, Bahamut's limit break and laser him in the face. Or <laughs> um, that, yes. <laughs> yeah. I, I will say that the Odin guy starts going extremely hammy, which adds a bunch of fun to that scene, which otherwise there's... It, it just doesn't have the same ridiculous energy. Oh, back uh, on, uh, back uh, on man, Sonic man, the Hedgehog... Man, Sorry, one thing. Back on Sonic the Hedgehog, the uh, second form of the final boss, Ultima Prime, that is a Sonic the Hedgehog space final boss fight. 
<laughs> oh yeah. It's straight up like the end uh, of Sonic 2006 or whatever. But yeah, like when um when I learned that the guy who uh, voices uh, voices uh, Barnabas is also the uh, same uh, the same actor who uh, did Mallow Sin Cineblade two. Uh, I knew eventually he was just going to start hamming the shit out of it, and it was glorious. My one complaint is that, and Austin Walker actually had this complaint in his podcast, where they are much less kind about this game. Um, but uh, he mentions that Barnabas is wearing a mask the entire time, and I really wish I could have seen that face just go nuts. I want, I want to mm. see the gross pervert face he's making while he's ranting and raving about Clive or whatever the hell. Yeah, that's uh, that. That is a good point. I I mean, frank, frankly, you know, after that one scene with him at the end of the Bahamut section. Oh, with his mom. You, for, yeah, once you yeah. get that, you really have to just go all in with how fucking crazy the dude is. I'm gonna say my biggest disappointment, story-wise. That is not a major complaint about the very function of how the story works and its themes and things like that. My most gamer complaint is that Slepnir is not the final boss. Because I love that dude. He was a ton of fun. He reminds me of the final yeah. boss of Skies of Arcadia, who serves that exact same purpose and then takes over the Empire. Yeah. Uh, I mean, yeah, he, he was a pretty good first fight and then like there's, there's the fight against like the legion of slapnik clones which is kind of funny um, you know i panicked for a second and then i remembered there's a rule in fiction one can be scary but the moment there's like 12 of them they ain't shit anymore and he was not shit anymore yeah your uncle could fight them at that point uncle byron one of the best characters <laughs> in the game and Byron rules. Byron does rule. Uncle Byron, I, I gotta give him. I gotta give it out to him. He's just a dude that's mildly overweight, but not like grotesquely overweight. He loves to eat, and he loves to throw his money around. Mm -hmm. Which is exactly the kind of guy that uh, that Clive needs to help him on his adventure. Yeah, you know, it's lucky that he even had an Uncle Byron because I don't remember that guy from the beginning of the game. Uh, yeah, he doesn't uh, show up at all until uh, after the second time skip. Yeah, I thought they made him up. Um, all right. And the, the the scene where they where they introduce him that that that's very cute. Where uh, where Clive uh, proves his identity by uh, by playing out the same uh, the same thing he did when he was younger. Yeah, they're uh, they're like quoting this universe's version of Shakespeare, whatever play they used to yeah. play act. And I'm like, okay, all right, I like this. This is well written. You know what? I I'm gonna give this game credit. Like most of the male characters are very well established, and they have plenty of dimensions to them. Gav is like an all timer, good bro. I like him. Uh, the game ultimately ends up being a Clive and Joshua character. Oh, by the way, so I, I'm going to mention this in the thing, or maybe I should edit myself in, but like, we're fully spoilers. Like, fully, 100% spoiling the whole thing. I'll put that in the episode description. I'll edit myself at the beginning, warning people. 100% spoilers. We're giving it all away. 
So this becomes a Clive and Joshua game, which I, I did not think it was going to be. It becomes a Clive and Joshua road trip game in the last few hours. And their relationship is very well written. And the scene where Joshua maybe dies, but then maybe comes back to life. I'm, I'm not. Oh, yeah. Phoenix. He's back. That that ending was way too ambiguous for its own good. Like He's Phoenix. He's alive make... again. He's fine. Like, you could make arguments for pretty much anyone in that sequence surviving. Like, you could even make arguments for Dion surviving that. Oh, Dion's fine. He fell into an explosion. You, you, no one dies from that. He, you need to get stabbed in order to die. Yeah, you fall down exactly. a pit, you're fine. He'll be back in the sequel or whatever they do. Um, oh, yeah, so what I was saying is the fake Joshua death scene at the very end was very well acted and very well written and Clive and Joshua's bro relationship. I, I think that's the real heart of this game and it's great. Yeah. And also pairing that with after the final boss where, where Clive tries to bring Joshua back to life is completely unsure whether or not it works. And he is, just fucking done with everything ready to tear the whole planet down at that point that was really good i i do have some questions i don't, I don't know if i got this completely right clive says that ultima's entire plan never was going to work to begin with is that correct did i read that right uh yeah like clive realizes that the like the ending seems to be leaning in favor towards clive dying because in his own perception of what's happening to him he doesn't think he can survive the survive the kinds of spells that ultima wanted to use him for yeah he was turning to stone already but i also yeah. don't understand what ultima's plan is because okay yeah that is one that only really gets properly uh done it, explained in the active time law and even then is presented as kind of a theory what he's trying to do is create a vessel that's strong enough to cast rays to bring back uh, the other members of his race okay i was confused on that because what i thought he all right let me let me break down what i think is happening so it's terra gaia from final fantasy 9 is Ultima's thing. Like, he literally takes you through, like, Final Fantasy IX's final dungeon, where he, like, replays yeah. history for you. Yeah, kind of, yeah. So, he's one of, like, that precursor race. I think the Fallen are the same thing as these alien people. Ultima is the alien uh, from Prometheus, by the way. The, that the Fallen, that the Fallen came after Ultima's race. Oh. Okay, that's... Okay, I didn't, I didn't read any act... I didn't read any lore. And uh, I need to hmm. check the wiki better, but uh, the wiki is hard to use because of a certain company that makes it... Anyway, uh, so Ultima's old world is destroyed by the Blight. So all his people come right. to our world to go and create humanity so that they will genetically engineer themselves to create Clive, who will be the Kwisatz Haderach, who will be what they need... So then they go and they put all the summons inside of him. The summons they also created. It's expressly for this purpose. So that they could all go and fit inside Clive, except for Leviathan, who is missing, and will never find out what's going on unless they make a sequel or DLC. 
And then there will be a third world, because they're talking about this paradise world, where Ultima lies to Barnabas, saying that this is going to be redemption for all of humanity and he'll bring them with him. No, he's not bringing any people. Barnabas is a complete fool. I like that too. Yeah, um, he just plans to uh, leave the the rest of humanity behind on the on the dying. I mean, we kind of say that, but there are more continents on Valisphere than just the uh, than just the two the game takes place on. And as far as we know, they they're not like being being drained at, of the blight at this time. Like all all of the eight mother crystals were placed around the twin continents and you know maybe the other place that like the the moogle talks about once like maybe there's just no magic there and it's just already a completely normal place yeah i i i don't know what's going on with the rest of the world it could be more blighted or even less blighted but um at least for valestia valestia is getting really very blighted. No... All we really know about the rest of the world is that one of the other continents has cactuas and uh, and their needles are saltus and erectile dysfunction cure. Okay. Uh, what I thought was happening was that the blight was actually Ultima's uh, people like terraforming the world and that's what they wanted. But then it turns out, no, they were running from the blight, which followed them mm -hmm. or is the necessary byproduct of sucking all the life force out of the world or something. Yeah, it's basically just ma magic creates blight. It's just that simple. It can't uh, the the entirety of Ultima's technology uh, basically just requires the world to die to use it. It is a fossil fuels analogy. It is a fossil fuels analogy, but and. It's an okay fossil fuels analogy. It's not a great slavery commentary, but we can get into that. Just the uh, last thing, the ending ending, the post credit sequence where the two little kids are living in a much prettier and brighter world than we've had before, I think clearly clear shows us that Clive has saved the world and some centuries in the future people play act Final Fantasy because medieval times... Uh, I think they were trying to do the ending of Final Fantasy VII, which was like extremely ambiguous. We just see Red Thirteen's tribe above the ruins of Midgar, but it also clearly shows humanity living on. And Joshua wrote a book, right. the book of Final Fantasy. Yeah, hmm. yeah, the Grand Grimoire. So we can do tactics advance finally. Okay, so I, I think we all figured that out. Oh, what was the deal with the uh, with the red dot around the moon? Was that anything? I don't know. <clears throat> like, I don't think... Like, I mean, the ending doesn't explain itself at all, so I don't know what the significance of it disappearing is, but it's like... But, like, it is a, a celestial body that is worshipped and it's believed to be a messenger to the gods to the goddess and hmm. it disappearing means something i guess yeah um I, I heard a theory that it's jill wishing clive back to life and then it disappears i was hoping that it was meteor and that sephiroth would show up but 
No such luck? Uh, I mean, definitely not going to happen because that that's just cribbing on 14 at that point. Okay. Sephiroth's in 14 like the, now? Well, no, just the, the, you know, this red dot hanging in the sky turns out to be to be some some uh, turns out to just fucking crash into the ground that that's the ending of uh of uh 1.0 like uh the uh the elegance uh not not the elegance the the uh uh like Askians? one of the factions of uh no one of the factions of garland goes rogue i mean yeah the Asians would have been involved behind the scenes but they they go rogue find some ancient elegant technology that allows them to recall one of the moons back to the planet and uh, like while you do kill them you, you can't uh, they manage to pull off the plan before you do so it comes crashing down into Aeorzea and oh it was a prison for Bahamut the entire time oh of course no other way it could have gone uh, oh speaking of Bahamut I was thinking um uh, Prince Dion, his summon should not have been Bahamut, it should have been Alexander. But then you would have to have Bahamut be the other guy's summon, and then Bahamut ends up being the final boss for like the billionth time in this series, and let's not do that. Yeah. Uh, enough enough of Bahamut as the final bad guy. Final Fantasy fifteen like, was going to do that at some point. Yeah, that was fucking stupid. Yeah. Like, I mean, I... Trying not to derail this into a Final Fantasy 15 hate fest because we've already had enough of those, but the, the ending of 15 was the only part of its story that it pulled off right the first time. Why would you change that? Well, I can understand people wanting a happy ending and you know Noctis and Luna Freya being together finally, considering Luna Freya never got to do anything in that game, which. Speaking of women not doing anything. Oh my uh, goodness gracious. Alright, I am going to be very unkind to Final Fantasy sixteen right now. I'm going to be as unkind as I think I'm going to be this entire discussion. I think this game might be the low point of this entire series when it comes to women and how they're depicted and what they're allowed to do and the sexual politics that are running this game are just rancid. You, so, uh, yeah, I I think it's bad, but um, but no, I like while I think it's bad, I disagree with your take. I think fifteen is just the absolute fucking worst. I think like, fifteen is similarly disinterested in women because there's only like two female characters in the whole thing. But that one, this one has three major women in it, and then mid who's like a girl, so I, I feel like she's allowed to have a personality where the capital W women are not or must only be defined by effectively what their sexual position is. So Jill is the good one because she's a virgin and remains a virgin perplexedly until like the early 30s. Like, she and Clive never get together. It is... Yeah, it's, this... This game does not feel like it takes place over the course of 18 years. No, it really doesn't. It could have taken place over the course of, like, a year. Like, I, yeah. I mean, you know, kids have gross spurts. 
Clive could have been as big as he was, and then you just have two time skips. The first one's extremely strange because, like, nothing happens to Clive during that entire period. And he never brings up... He never met anyone. He never... Hap- like, I can understand maybe there's trauma and he doesn't want to talk about it, but, like, it never comes up. It's very odd. That, that, that's, that's like some incidental uh, dialogue somewhere where, like, one of the... Uh... One of the undying says, oh yeah, during that 13 years, we figured out who you were and we were going to try and kill you because we figured out that you that uh, you were Ifrit and uh, attacked Joshua. Joshua was like, no, what's wrong with you? Yeah. Uh, but anyway, uh, I was talking women stuff. So Jill, virgin, your mom is mother, but also a horrible mother. And possibly the most evil character in this entire series, other than Professor Hojo. Like, she has straight up nothing redeeming about her. Her entire deal is just using her power of procreation in the most vile way possible. Because she ends up creating, like, an Ultima baby. Which is very, which is also very confusing. Because I wasn't sure if that actually was a person that was possessed by Ultima, if they never existed at all. Your like weird little imperial half brother. Yeah. By the way, is uh is that lady Clive's mom or is she is she just uh is she just Joshua's mom? Uh, she she is Clive's mom. She just really hates uh, hates Clive because she is assuming that the firstborn was going to be Phoenix. Okay, I, I'm forgetting her name. It was like Luna or something. Una? Annabelle. Annabella. Okay, I knew there was an L in there. Yeah, so she's pretty wretched. And then finally, and I guess best, is, uh, you know, Garuda, who is the sexually free woman who also ends up dying in a hysterical, literal hysterical hurricane. And also, everything about her is driven by sexual violence in her past. So it's, it's pretty much all bad everywhere. And... Also, the way women are written is that they cannot be, like, one of the bros. They can't have, like, banter with anyone. They can't have hobbies. Where, like, you look at everything that Byron is allowed to be. Jill is, like, an even bigger character in this game, and she has nothing. Uh, yeah, I mean, that's, uh... That is also a bit of a problem for anyone not Byron. Uh, obviously not to the same degree. Jill does get good scenes here and there, but it's predicated on her. It predicated on the plot remembering she's supposed to be in the scene in the first place, which they often forget. Like, like during the yeah, uh, like, the fight against Bahamut, they forget in, that she's there. Yeah, yeah, and also like we brought in By- Byron's introduction. That's during her story arc. And she just disappears until it's time to go to the dungeon. Oh yeah, she was around for that, wasn't she? There's yeah, that's her main story arc that in that arc of the game. I forget. Um, I I forgot if they took it away from her or if she was actually allowed to do it. Was she allowed to kill the evil pope guy? Yes. Okay. All right. They let her have that. But they also like, like, repeatedly yeah, like, make make her like completely useless as a Shiva throughout the entire game. Like, like you know, this most of this game might be the Clive show, but uh, he's not about to die. Someone else, their revenge arc. 
Okay. But, like, a minute before then, there was a big fire guy that showed up. Like, yeah. uh, oh, uh, Walking and, Flame from Final Fantasy V. And... Yeah, and and she kind of helps by freezing the arena sometimes, but but it's mostly Ifrit doing most of the work there. And this is her moment, because she's the ice person, and ice sh- yeah. fire should be weak to ice. But she, yeah. can't, she doesn't do anything. Yeah. She like, doesn't I come don't think with it's... them during the final boss, either. Yeah, like, like I don't think it's done well. I agree with you. But the reason I think 15 is worse is because, you know, they made a big deal over how they, uh, you know, replaced one of Nomura's uh, characters with uh, with someone who's, who's going to be much better, and then you get the game, and it turns out she's basically there to get fridged. Yeah, as it turns out, they replaced her probably because Nomura saw the script change as, like, you're not doing this to my character. Rewrite this. Yeah. I will bring her back in Kingdom Hearts 4 and I'll fix it. Yeah, like, it's a case of bad versus pathetic. Um, yeah. Um, I think Final Fantasy 17 has to have a female protagonist because they've had two games in a row that are just brutally bad at this. Anyway, um, now that I have my my female character rant, we could talk slavery. Oh, Cat Hughes is here. Cat (laughs) Cat Hughes, you just joined us for the slavery discussion. Interesting timing. Yes. Okay, Uh, I have nothing to say about that. You have nothing? Oh, yeah. (laughs) Final Fantasy XVI slavery depiction. Um, it's, It's okay, I guess. Like, they do... They do say that slave owners are bad. The economy yeah. is not terribly well depicted. It's What's interesting is that this is a sci-fi premise, this world where slaves are batteries to run the energy of the whole world. Hi, Cat by the way. Yes, Welcome. hello. Sorry. Uh, I uh, scheduled a work meeting during the same time as the podcast, so it wouldn't be at the, at the time as the, of, the, of the other thing. And uh, yeah, hello now. I'm here. Yes. I'm gonna I'm gonna keep saying hello to you during this rant I have. <laughs> so it's a sci-fi premise, and I kind of like the setup, and I even like the uh, the implications of it because um, effectively is environmental change with uh, this brutally awful economic system causing the environmental change and having crushing inhuman effects like it literally dehumanizes people and turns them into batteries. And the only solution is uh, violent revolutionary environmentalism, which you go around and you blow up all fantasy oil. Um, mm-hmm. And yet, I don't think they thought it out terribly well. It, 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 basically, all of it is still medieval Europe. And all the implications of everything, it, is, it might as well just be a world where there's still like Eastern Europe-style serfdom. You never see, like, summons being... Like, the summons are these big monster things. And I was... I, I was especially caught this during the Bahamut versus Odin fight. Where you see that they just trample the armies underneath them. And I was thinking, like, why even have armies in a world where you can summon Godzillas to fight for you? What's the point of these guys? These should just be garrison troops. You never need to use them on campaign. Um... It just never feels like they push these ideas and get creative with it. It's like, 
all the people are used for is just, all right, you can go light fires and trim hedges. It's never like they invent technology. And it's not even a world where lack of technology feels like a particularly interesting topic either because it's just medieval Europe. I think by starting with medieval Europe and then having these sci-fi concepts, they really... They needed to start from the sci-fi and build the world around it rather than building the world and then coming up with the sci-fi. Yeah, like part of the uh, part of the setting appears to be like because of magic's existence, they've just kind of stunted themselves tech techno technologically. Like I think in one of the uh, one of the side quests, like stuff like brass bellows are considered a big deal. Yeah, and then your solution to everything is you create the Industrial Revolution with Sid and Mid. Mm. Mm. Which uh, which reminds me, by the way, um, Cat use. I, I can ask you this. Do you remember what Barrett's job was in Advent Children? Barrett had a job in Advent Children? Yes. Explicitly. We uh, caught yes. him doing a task. Can you guess what that task was? Imagine the worst uh, thing Barrett could be doing, like possible, knowing what it, what he's about. I mean, that could mean a number of different things. I was uh, listening to a, a news thing about, uh, I think it was Milwaukee the other day. So the thing that came to mind, which is fucking horrible, is a, is a, is a doorman. Uh, no, all right, it's not. It's not, not racial. It's not racial uh, in terms. It's the the only other thing that if it's not racial, it's like it, it's some kind of fucking some kind of fucking. He's like he's like Shinra's bitch boy now or something. He becomes big oil, baby. Yes, what? he's an oil engineer. <laughs> he's working in coral and he's building oil refineries because that's how the world functions. After they got rid of Mako Energy, they switched to oil. To be fair, oil is a big improvement over Mako Energy. So baby steps. Yeah, but I mean, I mean, it it, it no, it, it doesn't make thematic sense. Yeah. I agree, it doesn't make sense. But so it's I, like uh, your environmentalist message is completely undercut when your yeah. solution to your fantasy environmental problem is to create the real world environmental problem. It's. Uh, I think we can agree at least that sixteen does the allegory better than Advent Children did because that doesn't happen in sixteen. <laughs> Yeah, but you still end up, like, inventing the steam engine for mid. And then building an airship. That is not an airship! I'm so mad about that. I'm so mad the Enterprise never flies. I'm sorry. There's no Chocobo theme, and the airship never flies are my two biggest gamer complaints. Um, anyway, I, I feel like I've just been, like... I have to write my review of this game. I have a lot of thoughts. Um, I I wish this game was better. I think it's just ultimately my feeling on 16. I wish... My, my real thought on it is I wish they were not trying to be Game of Thrones and had not even tried to get into that world. And they realized what they were making was something much sillier and much more just... You know what? This is just a... It's a fantasy game where big giant Godzilla things fight each other and your brothers can reconnect and be best friends. Sorry, Cat Use, there's gonna be spoilers. I, mean, I feel like I feel like the game of Thronesiness falls off the further you get into it. Like like by the ending, that is just completely Final Fantasy ass Final Fantasy. 
Yeah, but it kind of it like signs checks that the game's not willing to cash, especially in terms of like how explicit it can get and how intense the world can ever be. Because that's the other thing is like this seems like a very ruthless and brutal world. I I remember the uh, side quest where you run into slave owners. And they're just there to like lead you away to get killed by wolves. Where people don't where people look down on life so little that they're able to use life as basically playthings for their temporary amusement. And then the rest of the game, it doesn't have that level of intensity. No major characters die other than Sid, who is, you know, just the mentor guy. And then Joshua, who comes back to life anyway, but that's at the very end. It's not like like, when, uh, when Odin gets unleashed and they start telling him, you have to go and break Clive's AT field so I can possess him and break all his connections, I'm like, oh, things are going to get dark now because Odin's out. He's going to kill my friends one by one. He never gets anybody. Like, yeah, like, even when, you know, he's basically got you in a state where you can kill him, uh, Jill finally remembers her Shiva powers and runs away, and then you get the funniest line in the game because it does the victory, uh, the victory uh, scene, but with Clive Bested. Yes, yes, that was another great part of this game. I'll give this game that. It was also a spectacular moment because Odin cuts the ocean in half with his big old sword. He's like Noah. He's just that powerful. Like, the, like even for all of the darkness it can get, it definitely has the kind of sense of humor that the series usually has yeah i think i think the attempts at darkness are just ultimately a pose because like one of the reasons they don't have the chocobo theme like the uh, composer says is because we wanted a singular tone and this is going to be more mature and etc etc but you know this game isn't that much more mature than any of the other ones it really just becomes a ya adventure by the end and he could have had the Chocobo mm. theme. It would have been more fun. Mm. I want some Mambo Day Chocobo. Also, this is like something that's kind of not really related to anything else we've been talking about the game, but it's something that I just find really weird and funny. Ultimate Slimeteeth is the world map theme from the first game. Is it? Oh. Yeah. Oh, you're right. <laughs> oh, I didn't notice that. That's a good pull. You did notice uh, the boss theme has the opening like riff that all the battle themes had until like seven. Yeah. The na 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 na. Token does like his. Uh very sneakily placed late motifs or sometimes not very sneakily placed no he uses the main final fantasy theme like constantly he's not hiding it that that man that man loves the main theme he loves prelude it's a good um, theme he, he loves the, the prelude 14th and he loves soundtrack from the is just full with full with prelude it's fucking everywhere um so i think um we'll probably talk more 16 because I feel like we'll never be done discussing 16 until 17 comes out. And then mm -hmm. 16 will just join the discourse like every other Final Fantasy game. Mm -hmm. I, I guess my final thought is I it's basically the same as I had last time, where I think this game is flawed in a number of very big ways, and story doesn't really achieve what I wanted. 
but it's also probably the best possible Final Fantasy game at this point, and it does have a lot of very fun moments, and I don't regret spending $75 on it like I do regretting uh, okay. spending that money on uh, Forspoken. Forspoken's still here. Yeah. I never returned that game. Yeah. Yeah. In, in my view, this is a good game that could have done more. Like, like it's it's kind of it's sometimes kind of weird to articulate this in the gaming industry because it seems like everyone is uh, is fixated on the idea that everything must be the best ever or the worst ever. This is what something all can just are. be fine. Yeah. Some something can just be fine. Sixteen is fine. It is not like this grand revolutionary game that will change the face of the series. Uh, it is not. It is not an all the bravest level disaster. It's just a Final Fantasy game with all of the kind of ups and downs that you'd expect from a from a Final Fantasy game. It is the least embarrassing main number game since twelve. It's the one I'd... If I saw someone playing it, I would not get into an argument with them about it. And also, like, despite all my complaints, I don't think anything is particularly offensive about this game. Like, I, I think it mishandles the slavery thing, but I don't think it, like, abysmally mishandles it. I think uh, its handling of women is, like, below par, and that needs to be a real discussion, because this series has to do better than it does in this game. But that's really my my one point where i get furiously mad uh also the the side quests are um they're god awful but you don't have to do those except when you do there's long stretches where you have to do the side quests <laughs> building mids uh airship that's not an airship that that was tough yeah. so, so you're telling me that they brought back uh the titan banquet for Final Fantasy 16. Yes. I I guess that's a 14 reference. Yeah. Um, that, the, 14 can be really bad about waffling about. Like, um, uh, one of the thing When they introduced the New Game Plus to the game, where, like, you can replay past chapters of the game, at the same time, they removed, like, 100 quests from A Realm Reborn that were just padding. Yeah, I heard this, that Realm Reborn had like 100 hours of padding, but for some reason I always thought it was more acceptable in an MMO than one of these kinds of games. Cause well, I... yes, it, it is, and that's why I'm shooting, that's why I've been complaining about it, because, you know, in Final Fantasy XIV, uh, not only is the way it's set up, it's easier to just gra grab, uh, grab like a dozen side quests, go around quickly, do them all. In Final Fantasy XIV, you can fucking fly. Well, in this game, you like, don't have much friction in getting around because the world, the areas are big, but they're actually very small when you get right down to it. They're much smaller like, than the ones in Twelve by the, how fast you move. Like it, like just doing this kind of stuff in fourteen is just so fast because, like, yeah, not only can you just uh, dodge every obstacle ever. And you only ever have to fight the things that you you need to fight for the sake of a quest. You know, there's no voice acting in the side quests, so you can just so it's faster to go through. Like, you know, generally speaking, it's faster to read than listen. Yeah, the that was um, my other thought is that the side quests should not have been voiced. 
that would have been much better if like considering the level of production that these guys just have like they just have like unreal engine generic faces and the story isn't there it's clearly just filler and the fact they went through all the trouble to voice it and have like this really half-assed attempt at like cinematic language and it's just shot counter shot there's nothing yeah there. like there were like there were a few uh there were a few like semi-major storylines in the side quest that yeah you can put production value into but no you don't need to you don't need to voice act the uh the can you get me some wood guy and maybe don't even have the can you get me some wood guy because the other big problem is that going around your main base is incredibly tedious Yeah, it reminds me of Rabinaster in Final Fantasy XII, which I came to deeply hate that city and wanted Vayne to blow it up because it takes so long to walk around Rabinaster. But I love yeah, even listening. So. Even listening to that song in the Theater Rhythm games is too much for me. <laughs> I don't remember it. Uh, the only the only town music I listened to from twelve is Erut Village because that that's a bop. Mm-hmm. That was my PlayStation music for a long time. My PlayStation 4, I had the 12 background that it uses that song. So every time I turned it on, I'd hear 12 music. Nice. Okay. Uh, Cat Use, you haven't played Final Fantasy 16, so what's your opinion? Uh, I mean, the impression that I'm going to get is that I'm be, is that what I think is going to happen, and you'll, you'll see like in a few months when I actually play this game, either by getting a PS5 or it or comes on a PC or something, uh, the imp- I, th- I think the impression I'm going to get is that I'm going to be extremely annoyed that Final Fantasy mode or whatever the fuck it's called is not available on a first playthrough. Oh yeah, that's extremely that is- not cool. This game's way too long for them to do the Devil May Cry uh, playthrough multiple times harder. Yeah, mode. that's that's what I was thinking. I don't really want to New Game Plus this anytime soon. Like, yeah, I might come back to it later, but uh, not not now. It's it's too long for that. <laughs> But uh, I withhold judgment on the game, obviously. Uh, other than to, I, I guess the other thing is that the impression that I've gotten is that this is the the game that uh, Squir- that CBU three wanted to make if they uh, if they weren't constrained by having to make an MMO. Yeah, um, I I could only imagine this game might have even been better if they didn't have to make fourteen because they would have had all hands on deck. But this game also never seems like it's lacking for budget, except for sometimes the facial animations are just not up there. But that's about it. That's really the one thing I think is lacking. Also, uh, whoever had the idea that the last third of the game should be bathed in pink light, please don't do that. Oh, fucking God. (laughs) Don't do that. Cat like, used the uh, the uh, end of this game is like seven with the meteor hanging over, so there's a pink haze over the entire world. Like you can just make the make the place overcast. Like you don't need to make it overcast and then also pink. Yeah. All right, so uh, why don't we subtract two and talk about Final Fantasy fourteen, my favorite Mel, a game that I deeply respect. So, um, some color major cat use. You both watched the uh, big Yoshi P show. He was there, right? Right. Yes. The, uh, the yep. The videos are actual. The the recordings are actually live on the uh, on the Final Fantasy Wiki YouTube channel already. Recordings plural because yet again my connection fucking 
wrapped out in in the last 15 minutes so there's a so there's this small bit at the end that turned into a second video um the small bit at the end was much longer but we could talk about that yeah um so i watched the trailer for final fantasy 14 uh what, what's it called sorry it is dawn trail dawn trail i i remembered it was like a time of day because they're all named after times of day and then something else uh, so my main impressions are one, the warrior of light, he got a haircut and now he looks older and because he slicked his hair back, he looks like professor Hojo, but hot. And yeah, uh, the warrior of light gets hotter every expansion. This is, this is the most important thing. And they're doing a graphics upgrade. So they're actually going to get hotter. I don't think he's hotter now. I think he was better with his hair down. Uh, the other thing is tacos. This is uh, Mexico, and there's tacos. There was a cat, boy, or girl enjoying a taco. Yeah, there was uh, that scene of Graha eating the taco. So, uh, Dawn Trail. So, everything is, you know, the world's kind of okay now. It's no longer at risk of imminent doom. So, uh, whatever is going on with the, with the void in the current storyline probably gets mostly resolved. We'll, we'll find more about that, like, tomorrow because we're, we're recording this on the first day of fan fest because we don't really have time to do it tomorrow but tomorrow is going to be the patch 6.5 reveal um so, oh there's even um, more dang we'll we'll save that for august yeah but yeah so dawn trail is patch 7.0 um but yeah anyway so you know, it's been a while everything's fine uh so the warrior of light gets an imp so what they've told us is that the Warrior of Light uh, gets an invitation from uh, from the leader of uh, uh, Yokchoral, which uh, appears to be the Final Fantasy XIV equivalent of South America. He's he's requesting uh, assistance for the for the ritual for to choose the next leader of his country, and but also in the in the end of uh, in Endwalker, that one bit where Emmett Selk just listed off a ton of potential plot hooks, he he mentions, oh, you, you, there's fabled cities of gold in the in the new world. So uh, you go there, you know, help sort out their issue, and maybe just go exploring. Uh, Yoshida like actually compared this arc to a beach episode. <laughs> He also said that the theme was something like exploring to like flesh out the story. Because the thing is, I, I felt like Endwalker was actually supposed to be like the end of the game. All of the villains are dead, except for the Garleans who have collapsed into a civil war. And I guess Lagriff decided that, she, that destroying the world is boring and she just wants to hang out with her girlfriend now. And so all the, so the, the world is saved and the, and the Warrior of Light needs a freaking vacation. I... I think he well deserves one. Did they explicitly say South America? Because I got a lot of like Cancun and uh, Yucatan Peninsula vibes from this. There are parts that are very obviously based on the uh, Incan Empire. Okay. And uh, also the, the the main hub city uh, when it was when it was going the, the YouTube chat. There was a bunch of people screaming in all caps in Portuguese. Something that I don't understand, so I can't read Portuguese. Brasilia, Brasilia, Rio de Janeiro, Rio de Janeiro. Oh, uh, is there yeah, so the uh, the Christ the Redeemer statue somewhere? Uh, I 
definitely no Jesus stuff. But uh, I mean, I don't I don't know enough about Brazil to say, oh, the, the, the hub city is obviously based on Rio de Janeiro. But there were a lot of uh, very excited Brazilians in, in okay. the chat. Yeah, let, let me just grab some of that. the artwork and post it in the podcast channel. Um, so like I'm, I'm looking that. this up because I want to see if maybe there's something they explicitly see. I haven't been to Reno, Rio. Uh, that's the hub city this there? This is the city that I mentioned. Tuli okay. Wall, yeah. That's the, that's... Okay. I don't see it personally. Maybe they mean that bridge on the right. This is great audio content, by the way. <laughs> or you can put it on the YouTube video of this anyways. Yeah. And anyways, anyone can Google what Tuli Wall looks like. It looks pretty. I'll give them that. So there's a new world in Final Fantasy XIV because that um, the whole thing was set on the Azorian continent for a while. It's it's the same. It's the same plan. It's basically new world in the same uh, in the same sense that the Americas in in on Earth were referred to as the as the new world. Like so. So there's basically three major land masses on on. Uh, on Ephirus. So uh -huh. there's the three great continents, which is where most of the game takes place. That's that's where Aorzia is, and also uh, Othard, which is uh, yeah, the Asia land, and Ilzabad, which is where the Garleans were. So those are the three great continents. They're one connected landmass. And then there's the New World, uh, which is... Uh, where we're going now and there's also uh, Mericidia which is uh, located approximately where Australia would be on this map and is where and is where a bunch of the dragons were from like that's that's Bahamut's homeland it's also where the warring triad is from okay. yeah and that's where the church will not let you fuck dragons right no that's Ishgat that's on uh, oh, on Aorzea okay okay um, um, but uh, is this like this er territory you're going to um, is this like a colonial territory in any way or we're not doing that no that we, we are not doing that um, okay. this is uh, like new world stuff has been common in uh, the blue mage quests because uh, uh, like that's an art that uh, has come to Aorzea from uh, uh, was it the Wallachy in uh, the new world and uh, like they've gone into the past of that area and like uh you know like there is a there was this story of like a great explorer that sounds like a colonial thing but actually when he was there he basically just asked if they could show him around and they and they obliged and uh, they're just being very polite and also apparently like this section we're going to has like a healthy trade relationship with other places we've already been to okay is there any big like new jobs or new additions that there are, are going to be there's going to be two new jobs they haven't said what either of them are yet aside that uh one is a melee attacker and the other is a caster uh there there's a running gag in in these shows where uh where yoshida will be wearing a shirt that hints at a at a big reveal he's going to be doing as a later show and uh, this time he was wearing a Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles shirt. Oh, okay. No one is quite sure what that means. 
Well, I, mean, I think the two most popular fan theories are that uh, one of the new jobs is like Corsair or Pirate or something, because we know it has to use the scouting gear, so it has to have a gear in common with Ninja. And and or and then another possibility is that a, a, a new job could be like whatever Realm's job in Final Fantasy VI was, because um, I mean I don't know Ninja Turtles and Consultant Ninja Turtles are named after famous artists. Yeah. 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 Well, is Ninja a job in the game already? Ninjas are Ninja's yes. been in the game since two point four. Okay. Are turtles a job? No. no that would be a wait, good there job. was the, there was a uh, tribe of turtles in uh in Stormblood. Is there a turtle pope? No. Oh yeah, that's a different I guess game. there's a possibility that they could add a, a turtle people race, but it's very unlikely given how difficult adding new races has become we still don't have female frothka by the way oh but yeah we have we'll get to that later because that's something because because uh, we do need to talk about the ending of this show and how fucking dumb it was but we'll get to that later um but yeah this one is you know the first show of three uh, related to uh seven point and the next one the next one is going to be october and the next one early 2024 um so they haven't shown much yet. They showed that you know, one of the trial fights is going to be Pelagamanda, and I like the artwork of this dude, so... Yeah, that's just... I mean... Uh, just, one like, thing I gotta say I, is... I, I, sorry. One thing I gotta say is that Yoshi P friggin' works. He spent this entire year promoting Final Fantasy sixteen. And now he yeah. gets to spend the next like nine months promoting Final Fantasy fourteen point seven or whatever this is. is There's this... this photo going around social media of him at it... so 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 this fan fest is in Las Vegas as the NA ones always are. And there's this photo going around of someone who claims to have met Yoshi P like smoking at a slot machine at two AM. And it's a photo of him with Yoshi P at a slot machine. <laughs> so I think I think this man actually has a problem and he needs to take a face. He needs a vacation in Cancun. You, yeah. Can you imagine what his like sense of time is? But yeah, this is um, this is a big one because like, yeah, yeah. So like, there's a giant graphical overhaul plan. They showed a lot of that, and the game is looking really, really good now. Um, like, I mean, it always looked pretty good, but this is this is another level. Like the 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 lighting is so much better. They've uh, uh, they had to show uh, like that they've been able to update uh, you know, the like you know, their proc gen environments you know, that you use for like you know, just scattering grass and stuff everywhere because you don't want to do that by hand. That is so much better. Like you can you can barely see the ground on areas that they use this now because. They just have like increased the ability to place so many more objects in an area. Yeah, the metal um, now actually looks like metal and not cardboard that was spray painted with like silver paint. Yeah. Uh, they're also massively improving graphics with equipment because like because uh, like you can die equipment, but uh, but so far you know it's uh, you've only been able to apply one die and it could change the palette of parts of the uh, armor that aren't meant to be colored in weird ways 
they've changed that so that you you can now they're changing that so you can now apply two dyes to all armors and so you'd have two distinct color zones that uh, allow more customization and less weirdness like that um uh yeah i'm just quickly scrolling through uh, the final fantasy 14 subreddit discord okay um, you uh you posted this big giant dragon thing in the discord yeah what is that? Like garmanda. oh that's garmanda okay yeah all right can you uh, marry that <clears throat> thing is my question no okay you, you fight it oh well, that's kind of like marrying it in Final Fantasy XIV relationship terms. It's yeah, and, 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 and considering Susana, who just loves partying, but his idea of partying is he just wants to fight. Uh, all the gods in this game are assholes, except for Susano, who, because he's Shinto or something, is like the nicest guy, and he just wants to have fun. So, yeah, Susano just wants to party. Oh, this the is Susano No? The, uh, the yeah. Shinto yes. god? Okay. Yeah. Yeah, like the fact that his parting involves becoming uh, becoming huge and uh, dropping his sword on you is just kind of irrelevant. He thinks that's part of how you party. Huh. Um, it's also like one feature they're adding that's basically uh, giving uh, parties, uh, giving like raid parties an interactive whiteboard so they can actually plan out their strategies and stuff inside the game. So, so this is good because it means the end of paste bit. So currently, at least on the NA Party Finder, the the sort of sort of the meta is, um, you will p- people will will say, oh, I want to do a party for for this for this raid, and we're going to use pastebin strat. And this does not mean that they're going to post a link to a pastebin that has the strat. The assumption is that everyone knows which pastebin is being talked about, and so if you just say pastebin strat, everyone will know that there's this one magical pastebin out there somewhere that instantly tells you what you're supposed to do. So no more pastebin, thank God. Okay. Um, right. Um, and uh, like now I'm coming back to the to like the ending stuff. The first thing in the ending, which was actually pretty good, is like, yeah, we we all know about the critically acclaimed MMORPG Final Fantasy XIV with its expanded free trial that goes that includes the entirety of Heavensward. Uh, yes. As of uh, patch six point five. Uh, the critically acclaimed MMORPG Final Fantasy XIV will now have an expanded free trial that includes the entirety of Heavensward and Stormblood. So that's how so, many hours a game then? That you that's just like get for 150, free? 200 hours a game. Okay. Who is actually going to do that? I imagine millions of people, right? <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, uh, it's it's a free MMO. You just can't do the end game stuff. Okay. Well, I mean, you can do the endgame stuff of, of a Realm Reborn and Heaven's Word, but nobody's doing that. Or, sorry, Heaven's Word and Stormblood. And a Realm Reborn. Yeah. And, and, and now, after this, this is the bit where things get stupid. Because um, one thing that had been uh, promised uh, to be happening at some point is uh, female Hrothgar. Like, when they introduced the two final playable races, the Viera and Hrothgar, uh, Hrothgar were male-only, Viera were female-only. When Endwalker came out, uh, it came with male Viera, and they said, well, we'll have female Hrothgar eventually. So, so Yoshida starts doing the one more thing, one more thing shtick, and I, for one, think it's going to be that. And then it turns out to be a collab with Fall Guys. 
Oh yeah, I saw this. The uh, the the funny video game where you walk around as little uh, little minions basically and then fall over stuff. That's a Fortnite yeah. collab now. I was not expecting yeah. this. I thought this would be a total flop, but apparently everyone in my raid group really wants to just do the Fall Guys mini game and I, uh, uh, yeah, just I play that, Fall that, Guys in Final Fantasy XIV. I mean that that's funny at least, and then it's kind of still doing the one more thing shtick. And you know, oh, maybe this is it. And then, no, Phil Spencer is there, and uh, the game's coming to Xbox Series X. Oh. I, I got worried Spencer when Phil Spencer like walked minutes. in. Oh, God. Yeah, yeah, and Phil Spencer has the ability to suck all the energy out of the fucking room. Especially it's like they're presenting this as like, this is for all the Xbox fans. You're at a Final Fantasy XIV convention. All the people there are players, and all the players are by necessity on either PC or PlayStation. Yeah, nobody there's going to care, are they? There was also this very strange bit where they kept hyping up, oh, uh, Phil Spencer and Naoki Yoshida are like best friends, despite the fact that they're both like very awkward around each other. Uh, they don't speak the same language, and they keep mispronouncing each other's names. And even if it was legit, nobody would give a shit. Yes, it was, I mean, it was very bizarre. This went on, like I said, this went on for like 20 minutes. Just announced that it's out for Xbox, which is, you know, good. Like, the game coming to Xbox is, is is really good news for Final Fantasy as a brand, right? But then it kept going. Is this game out on Switch? No. This, no. this game would annihilate the Switch's puny hardware. I know, yeah, but this, couldn't uh, they, like, stream it or something? Yeah, like uh, this. Uh, this game uh, dropped PS3 because uh, they were running out of uh, memory to use. So if uh, if it ever came to a Nintendo device, it'd have to be whatever's next after the current Switch. Okay, I'm betting you that the next Switch during the reveal they will have Final Fantasy 14 for it. Then, God, I wish. And Xbox will be fine, but. Genuinely, if you have an Xbox, you could just play it on PC at that point. So, yeah, that's yeah, that's kind of why it's a weird announcement. Like, it's a good thing, but it's treated like this momentous occasion. Like, no, it's just a, it's just a port. This happens all the time in Final Fantasy. Most of the older games are ported to everything with a CPU on it. Yeah, eventually Final Fantasy 16 will make it to the Xbox. Potentially. Eventually Final Fantasy 16 will make it to the like iPhone like 30 or something. Do you think we're going to get another like uh you know how 15 had the silly iPhone version? You think we're going to get a 16 one of that? Oh god, I hope not. With the little cartoon people. Yeah, I, I don't think so, mainly because you know Final Fantasy fifteen was kind of just obsessed with the uh with the greater universe, whereas sixteen has wanted to present itself as a solely one and done work so far. You know what? I think I need to play the uh the Chibi fifteen version. And that's like free to play, right? Or something? No, it's uh like the first chapter is free and then you gotta pay for the rest of it. Okay. I have oh, not boy. beaten 15, but I've beaten all the other main series Final Fantasy games. And I feel mm -hmm. like that's a failing of mine, so I should play the chibi version, which can only have better gameplay and combat than the main version, which had horrible combat. 
and maybe I'll be able to get through it. Hmm. Anyway, fourteen, you were uh, you already did the Hrothgar thing. Um, what do you think a female Hrothgar looks like? I would hope something similar to female Rogadin, so kind of a, you know, kind of a like a big ripped like furry. Okay. <laughs> right. Oh dear. Oh yeah, they are lion people, aren't they? Yeah, yeah, they're Ronso. Okay. Like, like the Hrothgar on the first are explicitly called Ronso. Okay, so maybe this is why they're not doing female Hrothgar, because, well, you know what? Final Fantasy XIV players already are ridiculously horny, so you might as well just go all the way with it at this point. Yeah, Final Fantasy XIV is, 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 is a very horny game. Uh, and, uh, you know, like I said, there are female Rogadin, and people are really horny for those. And, uh, and you can go for the, like... Uh, Oh, the men are all like super ripped lion people, and the women are like tiny and need to be protected. But that no. I think people would consider that to be like pretty cringe. So no, I think you really do have that. to double down on the Hrothgar are just ripped and furry. Now the yeah. women should be even bigger. That that's what they need to do. That's where the sexual like, force is now. Because like even though we haven't seen one in in person yet, I think we might have kind of gotten like. You know, interpretations of them in like some of the artwork of uh, you know, the Bozjarak. I think there was some of that somewhere. Because, um, like, Queen, Queen Gunhilda. Um... Do you think we'll ever be able to play as a dragon person? I'm not going to be able to find this picture because I have no idea how to fucking spell Gunhilda. Brunhilda or Grunhilda? Gunhilda. Gunblades were named after Gunhilda. Really? Oh. Of course. That's the deep Final Fantasy XIV war that you uh, did not need to know. I did need to know that. That's very important. I mean, it's so and, obvious, and, and, isn't and, it? And Gunblades came before guns. <laughs> 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 The, the whole Delmasca storyline presents itself as extremely serious. Oh, you know, this, this tragedy involving an invasion by the Empire, blah, 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 blah. But it's actually extremely silly. You you go inside this guy's mind because he's depressed and you fight, uh, you fight the Emperor because he's depressed because of something that he did in the name of the Empire. And so, so the dead Emperor is in his head and you have to kill him. And, and you can do it on extreme uh, difficulty. You, you gotta remember the fact that, like, he's... Uh... Like, he's originally remembering the death of his father, and then his father turns into the Emperor. Okay, uh, yes. what does this have to do with Gunblaze, though? This, this is all the same part. This is all the same story arc. This, this is deals with, like, Dalmasca and the Gunblade people. Okay. And Queen Gunhilder. Okay. It, 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 the point is, this whole story arc is extremely silly, while presenting yourself as very serious. Much like Final Fantasy XVI. Huh. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, we, we brought it all together, didn't we? Um, do we have any final thoughts on anything, or are we nearing our conclusion? And honestly, my throat's starting to get sore. Okay. Uh, my final thought is that uh, the mo two final thoughts, both of them about the Final Fantasy XIV announcement. 
Yes. Uh, the first one is that I really hope people are hyped for Blitzball. I don't think there's going to be Blitzball. Yoshi P even said no Blitzball. But I, I, I personally hope that we get the Mesoamerican ball game. Uh, oh, uh, yeah, the uh, like precursor to lacrosse or whatever that is. Or no, the precursor to basketball is what the Mesoamerican ball game is. Well, it's a precursor to something, but I only know it as the Mesoamerican ball game. Yeah, uh, I don't know if it has a name. I, want to look. I think one of the Wikipedia article just calls it the Mesoamerican ball game. Okay. Uh, uh, the other thing is that um, I'm half convinced that this whole thing with 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 Xbox and the 20-minute-long reveal that was totally useless, I feel like this has to be like a prank by somebody, because as the fucking Microsoft CEO is walking out, Zodiac's boss theme starts playing. <laughs> okay. Like, we know it's you hate bad. this guy. Uh, here, listen to him for 20 minutes. Well, you know, at least he didn't buy Square Enix. We can be thankful for that. That's where I thought this was going when you said that Phil Spencer walked out. I'm like, oh, fucking Christ. Here we go. It's the end of everything. Uh, my final thought is, speaking of Blitzball, Final Fantasy 16 needed Blitzball. It does not have any kind of fun minigame thing, and it needs a fun minigame thing. And maybe Blitzball would have been it. Maybe that's the missing piece to make a world feel real. Because Final Fantasy X it has like the best world building in the series. It feels like real cultures and real change over time. And maybe that's because it has Blitzball. Cultures need ridiculous sports that everyone hangs around, including ones where you drown. And that's the moral of the story. The end. Good night. Right? Is that everything? I think that's everything, right? Yeah, I think so. Uh, I mean, what else was there in the Final Fantasy fourteen thing? I think most of all we glossed, for is, uh, glossed over is just the, uh, yeah, this is something that we do in the past thing, so continue in the next one. Okay. Uh, yeah, I think the only other new thing is that they've uh, finally figured out how to uh, create how to create a, a like holy cosmetic equipment slots, and they're using it so you can equip glasses at the same time as a hat. Are they like redoing the engine entirely, or are they just still using that same crappy fourteen one point and building upon it? They're still doing that. That's what sixteen uses. Amazing. They're fully committed to that engine. Amazing. Truly that amazing. That probably explains why the graphics on the side quests are so bad. Because uh, there are definitely some parts of FF14 that have very low graphical fidelity. I, I, I'm just surprised that 16 never showed anyone's dick. Because, you know, this is the engine that Crystal Tools is derived from. And we know Crystal Tools is uh, good at showing long, narrow objects. Well maybe there is a dick inside the game's coding. We will just have to wait until 16 comes out on PC and somebody goes and uses the virtual camera so that we find out what's going on with Clive when he's naked in that scene with Sid. And also what's going on with every major character because every single one of them is naked in one scene or another. I mean, in, in the scene in, in Heaven's Word when Fancrit is naked and uh, a, a rodent jumps in front of his dick so you can't see it, the emergency um, napkin, yes. Yeah, <laughs> Jesus. I mean, they probably didn't code a, a dick onto him behind that and then just cover it up. 
But they did something like that in one of the FF13 sequels. So I wouldn't put it past Square Enix. Yeah, there is a... Uh, if you know where to look, you can find a completely nude model of Vanille. I'm saying because I've heard this, not that not that I know of it and I've seen it, of course. I'm saying this because this caused a huge drama on the wiki like 10 years ago. Oh, because somebody uploaded it, right? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> but I still, yeah. I still was able, <laughs> I was deleted almost really immediately. Upset by the, yeah. And someone got really upset by the joke suggestion that we censor it by putting, by using Don Conea's face as a censor. <laughs> Yeah, that was funnier ten years ago, I think, now. <laughs> now we should just use, like, I don't know, a vanilla ice cream bar or something. But Don Corneo, maybe not. Anyway, uh, that's the end of that. Um, by Great Grieger's Gash, we have completed another podcast. This is the Final Fantasy Wiki. Oh, uh, yeah, that's, that's yeah. actually one more force I have about 16. That goddess was obviously named by Koji the second that I heard that line thing. Okay, yeah, this this goddess was absolutely named so that they could make an alliteration about her vagina. Yep, well done. Okay. Sequel to Falls Balls. So, <clears throat> we're the Final Fantasy Wiki Podcast, the greatest compendium of Final Fantasy knowledge in the internet. At least for now. And maybe forever. I don't know, as long as fandom keeps letting us do this. Uh, so, uh, we do this every month. Next month, we'll do something else. Uh, the Final Fantasy podcast music was uh, La Matanas de los Avenes Caballeros. I can pronounce it differently every time. I think that was my worst yet, actually. By Expert Novice off the OC Remix Balance of Rumen soundtrack. Uh, thank you for letting us use the music. I was Blue Highland. I edit and produce this thing. And I don't remember the rest of the speech that goes in this, right? Is there any beats I'm forgetting? Anything? Any little things, pieces here? Yeah, I think the only actual important stuff uh, stuff is that attribution, so you're good. I think I'm good, yeah. Uh, well, we'll be back at the end of August to talk about something. Thank you so much. Good night. I'm going to go to sleep. <laughs>